Good evening. Did you guys have a good Wednesday? Good work day? Yes? Awesome. Awesome. Um, on Sunday, I'm coming back up. Hold on. Um, on Sunday, we went through um, planting seeds, and, and I wasn't just referring to seeds as in uh, financial seeds, although it could be financial seed, but it wasn't just financial seed. It could be sowing any type of seed in order to expect a harvest in your life. And, you know, we went through uh, a variety of things. We went through just laying the foundation of sowing seed in your life. But tonight, I want to go through seven things, um, keys to ensuring your harvest. Sorry, I stumbled on myself because I had six, but I added a seventh one uh, before I came down. So seven keys to ensuring your harvest. So if you're taking notes, uh, we're going to be going over seven different things to ensuring your harvest. And of course, I read, I read out of the Bible uh, about seed time and harvest and how that's a, a law that God gave us. Back in Genesis, he said, as long as the earth endures or remains, there will be seed time and harvest. He told Noah that after the, the ark had settled and they had come out and life was beginning again, he said, there's going to be seed time and harvest. That is a law that we have in place. It's never going to, it's never going to go away. We're always, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Well, he was giving us a physical law, but he was also giving us a spiritual law. There's many things in the physical that we can look at and and that points to the spiritual. So God's gracious to give us things just like when Jesus walked the earth, he gave us parables so that we would understand things. We could see things in the physical, but it also had a spiritual meaning. So, you know, he's gracious to us like that. They he doesn't just leave us hanging and, and, well, you know, we have no idea what that looks like. If you can imagine, if we had no physical thing to look at, you know, to, to understand, like, this is how that works, but we're expected to understand it in the spiritual, like, that's how kind he is. Otherwise, we would be like, what? I don't get it. What do you mean sowing and reaping? What does that mean? But he gave us a physical understanding. Everything points to the spiritual. So let's pray over the word tonight, and then let's get into it. Father, I thank you for the word. I thank you, Lord, that tonight you're going to begin to unlock revelation in people's minds and understanding. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to bring them into a new place, new levels of wisdom. For your word says, Lord, that when we get wisdom and understanding, it's like the greatest things. It's better than silver. It's better than gold. These things are, are much better because we can apply wisdom in our life and gain better things. So so we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for wisdom. And we pray, Father, for just unlocking the spirit of revelation in our mind and understanding tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So six keys to ensuring your harvest. Sorry, seven. Seven. I got to cross that out because I'm going to keep saying that if I don't mark that out. Seven keys to ensuring your harvest. Number one. Number one, God is your source. Now, that might sound very basic, and it might sound like, yeah, 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 I know that. God's my source. But 
I can tell you that we've probably all been in a place before where we've looked at things and we're saying, yeah, God's our source, but we're looking at man or we're looking at a situation and we're waiting on them to give us our, our answer or we're waiting on our answer to come through a certain person, to come through a certain situation, a certain door. And so our, our eyes aren't always on God. Our eyes aren't always on the source of who, who our answer is going to come from. And if we rely on man, in fact, the Bible says, cursed is any man that leans on the arm of flesh. Well, what does that mean? Anytime we lean on the, the flesh, the, the carnal things, man, then we're, we're walking in a cursed position instead of a blessed position. But when we trust in God, in fact, the whole Bible is full of that. When you look through the word of God, who were the men that were blessed? Who were the women that were blessed? It was people that trusted in God. Above all else, they looked at their situation and they said, I'm not going to depend upon what it looks like. God told me this, so I trust in his word. So God is your source. In Philippians 4.19, it says, God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Not our employer's riches, not our, not our mom's or our dad's riches, not, not uh, our next door neighbor's. Not our great uncle who has, you know, we think that might be the richest guy in the family. But according to God's riches, he shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. But I have to, I have to say here that when we're giving, we have to understand that our giving is what unlocks the harvest. We have to focus on the fact that when we give, we're giving to who? God. It might be going into the hands of a person, just even when, when we're bringing tithe and offering. It might be going into the, the, the system of the church, but it's being received by the church, but it's actually, it's, you're giving to God. You're giving to God. So as your eyes lift up off of the, the church system and you realize that your help comes from the Lord, then your perspective changes and things change in your mind because then it's not based on, well, what's the church doing with my money? Well, what's so-and-so doing? Well, why did they buy that playground set instead of putting the money into new carpeting like they should have? You know, and you don't get attached to that anymore. Instead, you know that you did your part, and so your eyes are on heaven. Your eyes are on God, and you're, that's your source, not man, not a system, not a situation. God must be your source, not the getting. And many times that's what's going on. The getting becomes our source. In fact, there was a story I was reading the other day, and it was uh, by Oral Roberts. And if anybody's heard of ORU, Oral Roberts University, well, Oral Roberts was telling the story that he had an uncle, and his uncle had this beautiful pasture full of peach trees, and they grew these big peaches, and people would drive from all around to come and get, like, bushels of peaches, and they actually uh, grew the crop. They, the, every year, they made a load of money off of this. They fed their family. They canned peaches. They, you know, they lived off of it, but they also gained money from it. It was a financial means for them. Well, then, years later, Oral came back. He hadn't visited his, his uncle for a, quite a while. He comes back, and the, the orchard looked really bad. There was only a few good trees left. And he was like, uncle, what happened? What happened to all the peaches? And he said, well, 
or I'll tell you what, I was beginning to, to look at the fruit instead of looking at the source. And he said, I depended on the fruit to be the income. I depended upon the fruit to, to feed my family. I depended upon the fruit to, to bring people in, but I didn't pay attention to the source. What's the source? The tree and, and the ground that it actually comes from. He never nurtured the soil. He never took care of the soil. He never made sure that the trees were pruned. In fact, he was like, oh, they're looking good. I'm not touching them. And so he never pruned the trees. And in order to get a good crop off of your trees, you got to prune your trees from time to time. And he never did that. And as a result, he said, I, I, I looked at the source, or I looked at the fruit and not at the source. And I think many times that's what we're doing. We're looking at the fruit. We're looking to where we need to get our answer, whatever it may be, and we're not looking to our source, which is God our Father. And many times we think that God our Father doesn't care about the small little things. But the Bible actually says that he does. He says, you're worth more than a sparrow. He says, I take care of the sparrows. I take care of the flowers of the field. How much more are you worth than that? I'm going to take care of you. But at least ask me. At least look to me. Because if we don't do that, he says, if you don't ask, you don't receive. So if we're not asking, if we're not depending upon him, if we're not leaning on him and his understanding, then we're going down the wrong path. So God has to be your source, and your father cares about you. And don't assume, don't assume that wherever you sow your seed, that that's where your, your answer's coming from. Sometimes we're looking at the wrong person or the wrong situation. Well, I'm going to work real hard when my boss is here because that's my source. Because if it's going to come from anywhere, it's going to come from him. But that's not necessarily the case. But if we will walk righteous, if we will walk holy before the Lord, and we pray, and we do the things he's called us to do, then we will understand that our source is God our Father. And if we ask him, and just like what I've been talking about, planting seed, when we plant seed and we attach our faith to that seed, then it's a whole different thing. It's a different type of expectation that we're having. So how can you tell whenever you're, you're depending too much on the, the answer being uh, someone else instead of God being your source. Well, when that door gets closed and all of a sudden that deflates, and man, I guess it's just not going to happen. Oh, I was just depending on that, that thing right there, that person right there. And that, that was the thing that was going to bring us happiness. That was the thing that was going to bring us joy. That was the thing that was going to solve our problem and solve all the answers that we needed. And that door shut, so now... Now what are we going to do? I guess God's not going to come through. Well, when that happens, you realize that your eyes were on the wrong place and not on God. But if a door can shut, and you can say, that's okay. We sowed a seed. We're believing in faith that this thing is happening, and God's just got a different idea in place. God's got a different door he's going to open. It's still going to happen. It just isn't going to happen the way I thought it was going to happen. Does that make sense? So our eyes must be on God our Father. Number two, obedience. Obedience is key. And I want you to turn to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Verse 
obedience. If you remember in the um, New Testament when Jesus was telling the uh, parable of um, the talents, does anybody remember that parable, the parable of the talents where he's giving out talents to to certain servants and he's saying, Here, here's so much for you, here's so much for you, here's so much for you. And what does he tell him? He says, put this to work until I return. Put this to work until I return. Well, he goes off for a time, and he, and he comes back unexpected, and then he checks in on these three guys. And this one here, he doubled what he, what he gave them. This guy here, he also doubled what he gave him. but he gets to the third one, and the third one says, oh, master, I knew you were a hard guy, and, and I hid it. I went and dug a hole, and I hid it because I was afraid. And the thing was, he wasn't obedient, and he operated in what? Fear instead of obedience and honestly that's the thing that trips us up so many times is fear fear keeps people from walking in obedience so many times because they're afraid of the word that god told them to do because they didn't have the faith to step out that he was actually going to follow through and so fear can hold a lot of people back and what did he do he he took the money from him and gave it to the ones that were faithful in what he told them to do and so in, in, even in the word of God, like it, when we're planting seed, when we're listening for the voice of God in our situation, if he's telling us in that still small voice to do this, to, you know, like I said the other day, it's not always financial, but sometimes he's telling you to do something. And if we don't do it, then we won't see our answer come to pass. And then we're still standing there praying, God, please make this happen. God, why aren't you hearing me? And, he's, and he keeps pressing. He keeps pressing on our spirit. I told you to do this. I told you to do this. And we're like, Lord, why don't you hear me? I told you to do this. And we're, we're ignoring the voice of God. So obedience has to be key. Ecclesiastes. Did you find Ecclesiastes? Uh, chapter 11, verse 4. It says, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks up at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how a body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. He's saying here, if you look at the wind, if you go out to plant your seed and you're looking at the wind and you're going, oh, this is a bad day to sow. It doesn't look good today. Oh, it looks like rain. Oh, it looks like this. this is, then you're never going to sow. And, and there's a lot of times people will try to talk themselves out of sowing whatever it is, whether it's sowing love into a relationship, sowing financially, sowing righteousness, sowing uh, just the, whatever it is that God's telling you to do, sowing uh, something, giving something to somebody, whatever it is, he's told you to do it. And you're like, ah, today's not a good day. Today, I just, I, I don't really think so today, you know, because, well, what if this and what if that, and I just don't, I don't, what, if, I'm, if I don't do this, then, or if I do do this, then this isn't going to get done. So we'll look at the, uh, the situation. We'll look around us physically and say, well, it just doesn't fit today. It's just not a good day today, Lord. And he says, if you do that, then you, there's never going to be a perfect time. 
There's never going to be a perfect day to plant. There's never going to be all the stars lined up. There's never going to be perfection at hand for you to sow. And so he says, if you're waiting on that perfect moment or you're trying to make excuses, it's not going to come. That perfect moment isn't going to happen. There's always going to be a distraction. There's always going to be something that needs to get done. There's always going to be somebody that wants your attention. There's always going to be the phone ringing. There's always going to be the text. There's always going to be whatever it is. But we have to determine I'm going to be obedient to the voice of God no matter what. No matter what. So don't watch watch the situation and plant continuously. Plant continuously. And it says, sow your seed in the morning and in the evening. Don't let your hands be idle because you don't know which, which one, whether the morning seed or the evening seed is going to bring you the harvest. You don't know. See, and that's the thing. Many times we're sowing seed, but we don't know if it was that one or this one that got us our harvest. So we just keep sowing seed. Understand? There was a situation a couple years ago, and there was a, a lady, she needed transportation, and we prayed with her uh, because she was, her car was just on its last leg. And Anyway, she had uh, sowed a, a little bit into the offering, and it was, it was seed for that specific thing, for a vehicle. And I said, okay, well, then let's pray over it. And, and so we prayed. And she had the faith that God was going to do something on her behalf. And so we prayed, and, and it wasn't, uh, I don't know, maybe a month, maybe a month and a half later, she got a phone call. And somebody that she knew from years ago that she had helped out years ago, like, it, she, it wasn't even in her mind anymore. And years ago, and they contacted her and said, hey, you know what? You helped us so many years ago in this certain situation when things were tough with us. And, and you know, we have, a, we have a car lot down here now, and we want you to come down and pick out a vehicle. And so she went and picked out her vehicle. Now, is that not God? But she had planted something years ago and had no idea that that was going to be the seed sowing that answered her problem nine years later. But now at the moment, that seed was lying dormant. That seed was laying in the ground. And you know, there, there's seed that even today it hit me. I've got some dormant seed in the ground that I need to activate because it's been laying there for way too long. <laughs> and there's things that I need to begin to get aggressive over and get more intent about how I'm going to make this seed begin to come to life because it's been in the ground for too long. But what happened was she heard the word of God preached. Faith got stirred in her spirit, and she realized God does have better for me, that I don't have to just sit here and let life just come by and, and just whip me whichever way. I heard something, now I'm attaching my faith to this, and I'm doing it. And the seed sowing, the small seed sowing attached to the other seed from years ago brought her harvest. Hallelujah. I don't know if that excites anybody else, but that excites me. If you think about Naaman, Naaman almost missed his miracle. He almost missed his miracle because he did not believe. He was, he was walking in belief trying to find his healing, but he didn't believe in what the, what the man of God told him to do. Because the man of God told him to go wash in the Jordan River, which was an ugly river. And he was like, 
second command of the whole land. And why would I go washing that thing? Because that is ugly. And why would that heal me? Why can't you come out yourself, wave your hand over my body, and I be healed? And why are you sending your servant to come and talk to me? Why are you not coming out yourself? And it, it, it aggravated him. You know, sometimes we don't. <laughs> sometimes we don't receive because we got offended. Like seriously, we can, that can actually block our seat. I'm not talking about anybody here. I'm just saying that, that I've seen that happen before. That people can get offended and it can block their harvest because now they won't receive anything that's preached. Now they won't receive anything. They might sit here, but they won't receive in their spirit. And so as a result, they don't get a harvest. Well, it's not my word. It's God's word. It's God's word. And if, even if you do have a, I'm not saying, again, I'm not talking to you guys. I'm saying this ahead of time because there are things in life as we journey through this as a family, there can be times that an offense can rise up in the body of Christ somewhere. I tell you this ahead of time so that you know. In fact, when we were in Hana, what was one of the things we did? We went through the bait of Satan, which had to do with offense. Whenever we went through that, it wasn't because people were offended with each other in the church. But once we taught on it, everybody had a very keen awareness of not to walk in offense. And then when a problem did come up, they realized, I'm not taking the bait. Because I know what it can do. And I know the block and the wall that it will put up. So I'm not taking the bait. So I'm telling you ahead of time. Because I don't want you to ever lose your harvest. Ever. Because God's got a mighty harvest for you. But the enemy will try to do anything to keep you from getting it and then blame God that he's not getting it to you. When it's actually the enemy. So I tell you that for your good. Don't ever let offense with anybody in the family of God, outside the family of God. Don't allow offense to ever be seated in your heart. Get rid of that. Whatever you do because it harms you not the other person. But Naaman got offended. And, and he was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not washing in that river. That river's ugly. I'm not going in that muddy thing. We get some ugly rivers in West Virginia. We get some pretty ones. I'd much rather go into a pretty one and wash than one of those ugly muddy ones. But, but if that's where my healing was, I better be getting my butt in the muddy water. Well, Naaman didn't want to do that. And it took his servants to talk some sense into him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gotten his healing. Obedience could have kept him from that. And the thing is, he didn't believe. See, there's a difference between belief and faith. People think it's the same thing, and it's not. Belief, people can believe and say they believe in all kinds of things, but they're not walking out their belief. Yeah, I believe this, I believe that, but their actions are so far from it that you can tell. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that, that, you know, they can say that they believe in God, but how they act is completely different. They can say they believe in judgment day, but how they act is completely, completely different. They can say they believe in sowing and reaping, but not sow a thing. So there's a difference between belief and then actually having faith. Faith does what? Shows action, right? That's what it says in James, that faith without works is dead. There you go. 
So release the faith that you have. Don't sit around waiting on more faith to come. More faith is not going to come until you activate the faith you have. The, the way faith grows is not through prayer. It's not through uh, sitting there just waiting for it to come. It's not saying, God, give me more faith. Faith comes when you activate, activate the faith that you have. Faith comes when you hear the word of God and you say, okay, I need to do this because he's telling me in his word that this is what is truth. And I begin to walk it out and it grows and it grows and it grows. And don't stop. If you've seen something happen in faith, then don't stop. Keep growing it. Make it grow so that your faith increases. Every year it should increase more and more. All right, so be obedient. Be obedient to what God has told you to do. I told you this story. Uh, I'll quickly go over it again, just real quick, um, of the example that, that uh, Pastor Dr. Austin Langerfeld, he, was, he had a car payment. Remember that story? He had a car payment, and he was wanting to get this thing paid off. And he's like, Lord, I, I want this thing paid off. I want this car paid off. I don't want this debt hanging over me anymore. And, and the Lord kept pressing on him, start paying extra on it. And he's like, I don't want to do that. I, I, I want the extra money. I just want you to, you know, uh, bless me for being obedient to, to my tithe and offering that I'm already giving. Well, God was trying to teach him something else. He said, pay more on it. And he's like, I don't want to do that. And finally, he was obedient. He started paying more on it. And he said within a few months that God blessed him with a, a, an extra amount of money and they were able to pay the car off. But it took obedience to what God was telling him to do. You don't know what God may ask you to do. But you got to be willing to do what he's asking you to do if you want to find breakthrough in that miracle in your life. Number three. Number three, give what you have. Give what you have. Not what you don't have. God is not going to ask you to give something that you don't have. He will always ask what's, whatever is already in your hand. I'm sure you, you know of the, the widow that had oil in her home, right? Uh, Elisha, was it Elisha or Elijah? Elisha, right? Yeah? Okay. Elisha, Elisha came to her and said, because uh, she was like, I, I, don't have, I don't have anything else. We're, we're broke. I don't have anything. She, he said, all right, well, then let's work with what you got. What do you have in your house? I don't have anything but a little bit of oil. Go get the oil. And then go get some vessels. We're going to fill up those vessels. Now, she could have said, that's, that's crazy. I've got a little bit of oil. Why do I need to go get vessels? This isn't adding up in my mind. She could have argued with it. But the man of God who represented the word of God was telling her to do something. As she did it, the oil never ran out until they got to the very last vessel that they had collected. God will never ask you to give something you don't have. The boy with the loaves and the fishes, that's something that he had. He didn't say, you know what, why did you only bring five loaves and two fish? Why didn't you bring 20 fish today? You know, I can't do anything with this. I needed you to bring 20 fish, not two. He works with what we have on hand. Not, and sometimes we're sitting there going, yeah, but I don't have this, but I don't have that, but I don't have a degree, but I don't have the finances, but I don't have the education, but I don't have the title, but I don't have the family, but I don't have this, but I don't have that. But I, I wasn't showing this when I was growing up, and I wasn't showing that. And we can make all kinds of excuses, but God says, let me work with what you have. Let me work with what you already have. I'm not asking to work with anything else outside of your means. Only what you already have. He's not going to ask for more. The, the P Peter, 
He, he said, let me use your boat, Peter, right? He didn't say, Peter, I need a camel. Get me a camel, Peter. He's like, Peter, you got a boat? I need to use your boat. Whatever we have, he's going to ask us to use, not something outside of our means. And you know what? That is why it becomes personal. <laughs> That's really why it becomes hard to give up because it's, ha- it's something that, that is in our possession. And a lot of times it's precious, and we don't want to give that up. Because it's something that we earned, it's something that we worked for, it's something that we have that's precious, it's the last one, just like the widow, it's the only thing left, whatever it is. But God said, if you just give it to me, you're going to see a miracle take place. If you just let me use it, you're going to see a miracle take place. Number four, some things are seed, not bread. We talked a little bit about that on Sunday. Some things are seed, not bread. Some things are too small to be your bread. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Not everything that comes into your hand is bread. Some things are meant to be sowed. Chapter 9. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Another version says the fruit of your righteousness. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the eater or bread for food, he's the same one that's going to supply you with more seed and is going to enlarge your harvest. But that means it's got to be sowing, right? So we got to sow in order to reap the harvest. What do we got to sow? And make it active, like in your mind. God, what is it? You know, here's my situation. Here's the problem. This is what I'm desiring for. This is the thing that, that we're wanting. What do you want us to sow as a result to get this? What do we need to sow in order to break through to get this harvest? Because he'll give you seed to sow. Or like I just said, you may already have seed that he's asking you to sow. It's already in your hand. And there are sometimes, I mean, it happened with us this week. We had had, uh, a couple of checks come in, but they were small checks. It wasn't anything like major. It has nothing. It's it's not going to touch the things that we're believing for. Not even close. Well, what is that? Seed seed. That's not for us to eat. That's for us to sow. Not everything that comes in is meant to eat. We could have taken it and said, okay, yeah, here's, you know, this little, this little measly amount. We could, we could pay that there. It's it's hardly even going to touch it. Some things are meant to be sowed, believing for the greater harvest. So we sow it. We sow it. In fact, that's how we paid off uh, our first home that we had. Um, we were getting ready to go into the mission field. And if you know anything about missions, I mean, you're, you're walking in faith the way it is. You're getting ready to go to a, a place that, that financials, 
are like, you know, top of the chart because you're you're in a on an island that's going to require a, a lot of money to have housing and all of that. I mean, housing alone, we were needing. It was going to be $2,500 a month just to rent a place. That was just to rent. That, that was not taking care of the kids or groceries. It wasn't taking care of the bills. It wasn't taking care of food. None of that stuff. It wasn't taking care of the church. That was just to rent. So we knew we had some major things to, to take care of uh, when we got there. And, and you're thinking, you know, God, you're telling us to go somewhere. We don't have, you know, we're leaving, we're leaving jobs in order to go into the field, not have a job and start a church from scratch so it's got no income either there is no income there's no people there yet I mean there's people there but they're not there's no church so we're going and and <laughs> totally walking by faith because the funding that that we had raised understand our situation was a little different we we didn't have the backing of a denomination so it wasn't like we had you know 75 churches giving $50 each we had a, a handful of people or uh, a couple of churches um, and an organization that was funding some, but it, it was about half of what we needed to come in monthly. Now, in your logical mind, you think, uh, not a good idea. Because once you move there, then, then how are you going to get funding, right? Because you're on an island, and, and the people here are not going to fund you. Because people that, that want to get the gospel out are going to be the you know people that are already Christians. That's going to be who funds you. So you can think, well, that's my, that's my source. And it would be very easy for us to sit there and say, but our, we, we don't have enough money. You know, our source is people. And there were times that, that we would go and, and, and maybe speak at a church and they'd give you $25 or something. And you're thinking, what the heck is that going to do? That's going to buy me three gallons of milk in, in one month. And, and, 25, and I'm not talking $25 a month. I'm talking about here. Here's a one-time gift of $25. Here you go. God bless your mission. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So you can see that there there would be the it would be very easy for a hardness to set up against people or against uh, the body of Christ like seriously like how is anybody going to to live off that you've got a church of a hundred people and, and you just you just give a, a Walmart card to me like come on but we knew that where God calls, he provides. God, if God called us, this was his problem, not mine. This was his situation he called me to. I didn't create this. I didn't make this up. He did this. He called me. He called us. He called our children. So this was something that I knew he had to take care of. And, and we couldn't let it play around in our mind. We couldn't sit there and go, well, you know, it, we, this is not adding up. You know, we need $5,000 a month. And right now we're only at 2200 So how is this problem? No, we had to trust in God. And as we trusted in him, it was always taken care of. It was always met. There was not one month that we ever went by that things were not taken care of. But we had to fight to keep our eyes on the source and not on people as our source. Because it's very easy to look at people and say, well, that's my source right there. Visiting a church, you guys are my source. So we, we had to cancel that out. 
And you know, honestly, when it was all done and over with, I'm glad. Because <laughs> trying to go to 50 churches for $25 a pop is exhausting. I'd much rather just send me to the mission field. Let me get started. I'll trust in God. I don't. You know what I'm saying? So it was easier to trust in God than try to convince people to give and to make uh, ministry important. I'm like, God, we trust in you. We trust in you. You are our source. You called us, and you're going to make it happen. Well, okay, sorry, I got off track. But we, before we left, before we went to the mission field, we were still paying on our home here in West Virginia. We still had uh, money that we owed on this, so we're still paying, but yet we're going into the mission field, and then we got to start paying rent over there. So we're going to be carrying two homes. Most people would have backed out, honestly. Most people said, uh, not right timing, God. This isn't working. But we just kept walking it out, walking it out, walking it out. And you know what? We had some money in the bank. And, and in, the, in reality, it looked like, um, okay, this, this $10,000 here, this will help when we get over there. Well, how long was that going to help? It was not going to help us for, for five or six years. This $10,000... It became seed. You know what we did? We sold it into another ministry because we knew that $10,000 was not going to get us very far in Hawaii because we needed about $5,000 a month that would have lasted us two months. Seven what? Okay. We were supporting the church too at the time. So everything the church needed, it came through us. But so we sold that $10,000 into a, a, another ministry for equipment that they needed. And it was within a, a couple of weeks. The debt on our house was wiped off. It was wiped out. So we went into the mission field without having to carry the debt load of our home. Went, went completely debt-free. That is a breakthrough miracle. But it took faith to sow the seed. Because in the natural, you, you're trying to cling to everything you have. Everything you have. So number four, some things are seed, not bread. Number five, your harvest depends on consistency and quantity of sowing. And again, I'm not just talking about money. Money is a tangible thing, so you can see it. You, you know when it comes and when it goes. Am I right? <laughs> you don't get a check in the mail and go, well, you know, it didn't affect me. You know, <laughs> if you get a check in the mail, you're like, yes, <laughs> hallelujah. So-and-so gave me a check or I got a check from this or that. Or when you get a paycheck, you're, it's not like, well, whatever. Like when money comes in, you feel it. You know it. Well, when it leaves your hand, you feel it. You know it. And so a lot of examples many times are around these things because it's very concrete. It's very easy to see the cause and effect. It's a good place to practice your faith too <laughs> because it's, it's a definite. It's a definite. Some things have to, you have to sow from the inside of you. Some things you, sow, you might sow love. You, you might sow forgiveness. You might have to sow some things in life that come out of the inside of you. And when, when that happens, sometimes it's not always uh, a tangible thing. So I use finances a lot because it's tangible. 
but the harvest has to depend upon the consistency and the quantity of your sowing. What does that mean? Well, if you stay in 2 Corinthians and you turn over probably one page to chapter 8 and you look at verse... Twelve. It says, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. That goes along with earlier that God's not going to ask you to give something that you don't have. But the gift is acceptable according to what you have, not, what, not according to what you don't have. But And what I'm trying to say here is even, even the idea of tithing is set up on a percentage. It's not set up like everybody has to pay, uh, you know, $400 a month on their tithing. Because for some, that's way too much. And for others, that's not enough. Because the tithe is 10%. So it's a percentage. And what I mean, like the widow that gave two mites, that she gave all she had. So God's not looking. Don't, don't lock yourself into a thing going, yeah, but this is all I've got. This is nothing compared to some. No, God sees what you have, and he sees what you have left over when you give. When he said she gave out of her need, she gave because she. this is all she's got. It made more of an impression on Jesus that she gave everything she had, everything that was left in her hand, than the people that were giving a lot, but it meant nothing to them because it, it didn't even touch what they had left at home. So it's not based upon the amount. It's based more on what it... What it what is it that you're having to overcome to give that? What is it that you, that, that you have left over after you give that? You know what I'm saying? Like, God knows your situation. God knows. In fact, there was a, uh, a story one time. There was a, a girl that was um, talking with me, and she's like, you know, I got aggravated one day because of, you know, somebody in the family. And, and sh she was saying, you know, Lord, why, why, does, why does he get by with so much? And, and I feel like, you know, like he, he isn't very loving sometimes to people. And you just let him get by with that. Or, and, and like you're more strict with me on this. And God spoke to her and said, you don't know what he's had to overcome in his life. You don't know the situations he's been through, and you don't know his, what he's had to overcome in order to show the amount of love that he's had to show. We don't know other people's past, and we can't compare ourselves. And when someone looks like maybe they're not doing as much as you, you don't know what they've overcome. You know, it's... That's why when we have people that are our congregants, I, pr I, pr <laughs> I get protective over my sheep. Like if people say things, I get protective because I'm like, you don't know what they've overcome. <laughs> you don't know. You haven't seen 
where they started and what they've hurdled over and, and the obstacles they pushed through and how difficult it was for them, but they didn't give up and they came over and they overcame. So don't nitpick over something minute because you weren't there whenever they were over here doing this. You weren't there through that struggle of, of the overcome and hurdling that. So that's why there's got to be grace, and that's why there's got to be a love in the family of God that, that helps each other out and pulls each other along and, and doesn't put each other down because nobody understands another person's past and everything that they've had to go through, everything they've had to hurdle. I'm not sure how I got off there. The harvest depends on the consistency and the quantity. The consent, just be obedient to what God's asked you to do. Don't compare yourself and don't sit there and try to look at someone else. God is your source. God is your source. Don't look at someone else. But the thing is, you can't live off of one season of planting. So don't do something once and say, well, I did it once and it didn't work. You, you aren't getting tomatoes from seeds that you planted 20 years ago. You can't live off of the same sowing. You got to keep sowing in life. Keep sowing in life. Whatever it is, keep sowing. If someone came by and hurt you along the way, you keep your eyes on this source. Do not let them distract you. Keep sowing in life. You keep sowing in life. You keep sowing love. You keep sowing forgiveness. You keep sowing compassion. You keep sowing financially if you need that financial breakthrough. You keep sowing whatever it is. Keep sowing diligence. Don't give up. Don't, don't weaken because someone else was weak. Don't slack back because everybody else around you has this certain standard. Just because everybody else says this is the way the world does it, don't slack off and say, well, that must be good enough then. You operate according to God's standards, and you're going to rise to the top. Number six, water your seed. Water your seed. Well, how do you do that? There's a couple verses here I want you to look at for yourself. The first one is in Joel. Joel chapter 1. I'll give you a little bit to find that one because that one's kind of sandwiched there in the, in the, towards the back of the Old Testament. And it's only like probably two or three pages. Joel chapter 1. So what, what is your seed? or not what is, water your seed, sorry, water your seed. When you've planted your seed, you've got to water your seed, right? You can't just leave, leave the seed out in the garden and just say, well, seed, I planted you, that's it. Catch you, you know, in a couple of months. You've got to water your seed. How do you water your seed? Well, one way is your confession. What you confess over your seed. You can't sow your seed and then speak against your seed. You don't sow your seed. And, in fact, Gracia was telling me the other day, she's like, Mom, I did what you told me to do. I spoke to my plant the other day. Because <laughs> I've told her before, I speak to my plants. Like, I tell them, you're doing a good job. You keep growing. You're going to grow more this year. I spoke to my, this might sound stupid, but it's biblical. What we speak and what we sow out of our mouth is what comes to pass. One year, we had pine trees that, that lined our whole front yard. 
and, and gave us privacy, because I like privacy. And, and I don't like having to look out on someone else's yard and them see me and me see them all the time. I like to have my privacy, you know? And so these trees, these pine trees, were getting attacked with some sort of disease. And lots of people, their trees were dying. In fact, my mom, who lived right beside us, her trees were dying. And none of those trees exist now. They've had to plant all new trees because the disease hit their pine trees and killed them. Well, when I heard about that and saw that beginning to happen, I began to speak to these big, huge pine trees. And I began to say, you are not going to die. You're going to live. You're going to provide protection for, for our house, and you're going to provide privacy. You're going to stand. You're going to live, and you're not going to die. You're not turning brown in Jesus' name. I would speak to them. Those trees are still there today. Not one of them. And see, what would happen is one would get diseased, and then it would just go right down the row, and, and one by one, they would start diseasing. Um, that's not good grammar. <laughs> that's not good grammar. They started diseasing. Don't correct me, Kayla. I'm sorry. I just botched up medical terms at its finest right there. Okay, moving on. Confession. Confess that it, when you sow your seed, then say, God, I thank you that this is coming to pass. This is what I'm going to be holding on my hand. Because if you can't say it, you won't hold it. If you can't say it, you won't hold it. So begin to confess it. Are you in Joel? Okay, Joel uh, chapter 1, verse 12. Here's the second part. So not only confession, this is how you water. Confession, and we've talked about that a lot. So I'm not going to go through that because you've heard it a lot from us. The power of our words, right? Okay, this is the second part. The vine is dried up and the fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the palm, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field are dried up because if, you're, if your Bible says surely, then I actually crossed it out and put because. Because if you look up this word surely, in, in the original Hebrew, it actually is a causative word. It means because of this, this happened. It's a causative word. Another way to say it would be because or since. Since the joy of mankind is withered away. All of their trees had dried up. Everything had withered. Nothing was producing fruit, and everything was dying. Their very way of life and of living was dwindling away. Why? It says because the joy of them had withered up. Do you realize that that's why God says that, that he loves a cheerful giver? Because if you're giving and, and it's of despair, or you're giving and you're not believing in faith that that thing's bringing something back to you, then you're losing your harvest. You're losing your harvest because you're not attaching faith to it. Because if you really are giving and then walking away, ugh, then you're not really believing that that thing's bringing a breakthrough into your life. When you realize that it's bringing a breakthrough, then it's just like the, the same thing I said before. If you are loving someone when they're hard to love, your eyes have got to be on God, right? Because otherwise... Everything that happens will be a reaction to what they do and say. And your eyes will not be on God. You won't be doing it because of God. You'll only be doing it because of what you're getting from them. 
So the seed has to be eyes on God. God is my source. God is my source. We would all do a lot better if we would just keep saying, God is my source. God is my source. God is my source. Every time we plant anything, uh, you know, just uh, everything that I've been talking about, planting, God is my source. God is my source. I keep my eyes on God. That keeps me firmly planted so that I'm not jerked to the left or to the right by the enemy. God is my source. But keep your joy. Keep your joy. And you keep your joy by believing this thing's coming to pass. Father, I thank you that I'm going to hold this thing. I'm going to drive this thing. I thank you, Lord, that this is, that my child is coming back to you. That I'm not going, they're not going to be off in, in some other messed up world. That they're coming back to you. That you're bringing people into their path to minister to them. I thank you, Lord, that you're bringing people into to my life to help me. I thank you, Lord, that I am not going to deal with sickness or disease, that I am healthy, that I walk in wholeness. You speak it out. You declare it, and you continue on that path, even if you're not seeing everything happen yet. But you're declaring what's going to happen. You're declaring what, what's going to manifest in your body, in your family, in your home, whatever it is. Hallelujah. And the last one is expect. Number seven, expect. Many people might sow, but they don't expect their harvest. We talked about that on Sunday. They sow, but they walk away from the seed they planted, and they never go back to the garden. They never go back to see what, what the, the plant brought up. Or, you know, if, oh, do you need some more watering? Maybe I should check on you more often. Maybe I should pull the weeds out. Maybe I should give you some miracle girl. Maybe I should, you know, whatever, maybe I should prune you a little bit. Whatever is needed, they never go back to check. Is it, has, has it popped through the ground yet? Like, what's going on with the seeds that I'm, if you haven't seen the result yet, continue to confess. Continue to, to praise God for it. In fact, the Bible says that those that go out sowing seeds and, and they're weeping, those that are weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will, will be singing songs of joy, bringing sheaves back with them. Those that sow in tears with carrying their seed to sow will come back with songs of joy, bringing their sheaves with them. That's what the Bible says. Hallelujah. Turn to uh, Proverbs 24. Almost done, guys. Are you getting something? Proverbs 24. And you know, even going through this has, has like defined some things for me. It has made me like narrow in on some things. And I've got a list of things, uh, you know, on my clipboard in my office and I'm like writing things down and what are my seeds for specific things and I'm, I'm being more intentional about what I'm doing even in my prayer life and, and what I'm doing expecting with seeds that I'm sowing. So Proverbs 24, verse 14. It says, know also that wisdom is sweet to your soul. If you find it, there is a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. The King James Version says, your expectation will not be cut off. 
Why? Because you got wisdom in a certain area. I'm giving you wisdom tonight. I'm giving you a new principle. I'm giving you the understanding of seed time and harvest and telling you that this law is a spiritual law that's in place. And when you get the revelation of that and it unlocks something in you and you realize that that God can't go against his word. He's the one that set this up. He can't go against it. He's the one that declared these laws into place. So if I do it, then he's got to stand behind his word. It's not just some fake thing or or wishful thinking. It's actually a law in the spirit. So when I sow, when I do these things, he's got to back up his word. And it says when we understand something in wisdom, well, then what happens? When we get that revelation, guess what? Our expectation will not be cut off. Because what does what does what happens when we hear a word of faith and it comes alive on the inside of us? Well, then all of a sudden we have a hope. We have an expectation, right? It's like, okay, this is what I've got in front of me now. This is, this is what I'm going for now because the word of God says this. And you feel hope rise up on the inside of you. And it says your expectation shall not be cut off. If, if anything else, grab that word for yourself this week. My expectation shall not be cut off. Last verse. Go to Philippians 4.15. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Philippians 4.15. It's just like this word right here. It, it spoke to me this week when I was studying it out. And, you know, when you get a revelation, like an aha moment in the spirit, it's like nobody can take that away from you, and it takes you to another level of wisdom. It takes you to another level of understanding something. And when you understand something in the spirit, nobody can take that away from you. It's like you get it. So whenever, whenever I was reading this, because <laughs> you ever read something in the word, and it's like you're reading it, and it's like, yeah, it says this, but I don't, I don't know. It's like something's not clicking in the spirit. Anybody else like that? Maybe it's just me? Somebody? One, two? Okay. Um, Philippians 4.15, it says, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. He's like, you guys were the only church that participated in giving and receiving well for the longest time you know i thought it's kind of a strange way you know you you guys participated in giving yeah but paul was receiving and why would paul say that like that because in my mind that's that's how it was anybody else thought it was like that like paul was receiving or nobody ever really thought about it okay well let me tell you what i found out <laughs> as i studied it this word receive this, this word, uh, giving and receiving, the receiving part, came, comes from it, the Hebrew word lambano. It means to actively or aggressively lay hold. Actively, well, that means that we've got to show action. Aggressively, we've got to be aggressive, about, not aggressive, aggressive. Sorry, I was very pronunciated right there. Aggressively lay hold or to seize, or to accept with initiative. Well, what's initiative? That means you do something on your part because you know that, that it requires something of you. Giving and receiving. See, I thought 
giving, yeah, they were giving, and Paul was doing the receiving. But it's not that. He said not one church took part of giving and receiving except for you. This is a, this is a package deal. He was saying the giving and the receiving. Why? Because he says, uh, he's, verse 17, not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. Giving causes receiving. It's like mac and cheese. It goes together. I know it's deep, but when you buy the mac and cheese, you don't buy the mac and then go buy the, unless you're fancy, I know, I get it, but not many people eat macaroni by itself. They put the cheese with it. It's mac and cheese. It goes together. In fact, they package it together in the box. You don't pour the macaroni in and then throw the cheese in the trash. You put the cheese in with it because it's a package deal. What I'm saying is giving and receiving. Seed time and harvest. Sowing and reaping. It goes together. It goes together for the Philippians, not for the Philippians, and for Paul. Is anybody else having an aha moment? It goes together. Giving and receiving. So when, number seven, expect. When you give, don't just give and not expect. Well, that's, that's a bad thing to expect something from God. No, it's not. He's the one that came up with the whole idea of rewards. And, and if you live right, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to give you good things. I'm going to bring you into the land. I'm going to give you an inheritance. If you do this, then I'm going to do this. He tells us those things so we can look forward to those things and our expectancy will not be cut off. He wants us to have a hope. He, in fact, hopelessness is of the enemy. Hopelessness crushes us so that we won't even try anymore. And we get defeated and we just lay down and say, we're done. I'm done. I give up. That's the enemy. But God says, I want you to have hope. I want you to have a future. In fact, I'm the one that gives you a future and a hope. That was his verse to you. So he's got good things for you. Giving and receiving, it's a package deal. And expectation, expectation has a lot to do with perspective. Has a lot to do with perspective. Because here's another thing that, that I learned this week by Oral Roberts. He said, instead of like when you're paying your tithe, because this is really like big on connecting with the tithe here. When you're paying your tithe, he said, don't look at it like you're, you're taking it from what God gave you and so you're just owing him back. Turn it around and say, you know what? God blessed you for your work and now you're looking forward to the next week, the next month, whatever it is, and you're taking off and planting the seed for the next harvest. Rather than saying, oh, I'm paying them for the last harvest, I'm planting a seed because, you know, we do tithe and offering. You know, when, when we pay our tithe, we pay our offering too. So we're planting above and beyond. We're not just doing the tithe, we're doing the offering. Well, our offering is, is a seed of expectancy. It's a seed of saying, I'm going more, higher than, than just the, the basic element of, of the requirement. So he's saying, you know, like, look at it, change the perspective. 
Think of it as seed, not I owe back. Think of it as seed. Change the perspective. So even, you know, one of the things, and I believe that I'm going to finalize this, but everything that you do, you know, we live, we move, and we have our being through God. Everything that we do, every area that we sow, even the team that serves here all the time. You know how many times I've seen God take care of you guys because you, you sowed in service, in servanthood? Sorry for my English. <laughs> See, God doesn't pick the perfect. He just picks who will say yes. And I'm the example of that. But we sow seeds of even service. And I've seen God take care of people because they planted themselves, because they served. I've seen how, how God would continuously keep their health, keep their finances, keep their family, keep their, you know, just because people sometimes don't even realize that attendance keeps them. Like how many times that keeps you in a place where God is covering you. We've seen people where, where things started going, and then they, they leave, and then you're like, okay. And in, in your spirit, you're like, because, you know, the enemy can just come in and, and just be wreak havoc. Attendance alone, because you're here growing, your growth. And people oftentimes don't realize it. And that's why I say be expected, because if you don't expect, you don't realize that there's a harvest there. You don't realize that what you're planting, even by being here, hearing the word, you're actually getting seed sown into you, and you become a harvest field so that the blessing of God is covering you. And you become a walking harvest that is actually, it's coming out of you because it got sowed into you. When you serve and you serve other people and you're here and you're, you're setting up and you're doing all of those things and you're, you're being a service to us, you're putting a covering over your life. I mean, that, people don't see the harvest that they actually get from doing those things. You're planting seeds and it's becoming a covering. So when you realize that, when I realized like those things were, were seeds that I was sowing, then I began to change how I even prayed because I was always like, thank you, Lord, that, that your covering is over me. I thank you, Lord, that no sickness or disease comes near my dwelling. I thank you, Father, that you keep us in all of our ways because we keep our covenant with you. And so it becomes different. You walk with a peace instead of with a, well, I hope this thing doesn't, doesn't get me. I hope this thing doesn't, you know, tackle me. I'm like, no, because I see it as a visual. I see it as, as I'm like under the covering of God. Like he shelters me. So I walk in peace, not in fear. So pay attention to the seeds that are being sown in your life. It changes your perspective. Hallelujah.